but like our own okay i know it this sounds like an exaggeration but it's not it is really this dire if we do not elect bernie no no sorry sorry if bernie is not the president in 2020 we can there is no chance that we can save like stop the climate disaster before we wipe ourselves out so you can I, either decide humanity or libs i have been feeling that for quite a while okay i've been feeling that for quite a while and uh, as a parent of two little boys 10 and 13 i am i struggle to allow them to be kids but to but to make them very clear that the second half of their life will be nothing like they think it will be based on our current situation. Okay, but we can change it. You are listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and corporate media. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today I talk with historically creator and host Isha Krishnaswamy. In this two-part episode, Isha opens my very naive eyes to the differences between official rules and true justice. The political revolution, which began with Bernie Sanders declaring his candidacy in 2015, is today a movement to put Bernie into the White House and to make Congress, state, and municipal governments as friendly as possible to his and our agenda. This campaign, however, does not end in November. It's a rehearsal for the rest of our lives. Once in office, our task turns to implementing that agenda and bulldozing anyone who stands in our way. It's a race for true justice, to undo the catastrophic problems facing us, thanks to more than four decades of neoliberalism. First and foremost, it's a race to give my two little boys an organized society in which to exist during the second half of their lives. The first act of revolution is love. For centuries, the 1% has used hate and lies to divide us. Now it is our turn to use truth and love to divide the 1%. The political revolution will go down as the most impactful, peaceful revolution in human history. The age of neoliberalism is over. This conversation was recorded in the heart of the chaos following the 2020 Democratic caucuses in Iowa before the second contest in New Hampshire. Even though Bernie Sanders' chances of officially winning the nomination have greatly increased after his blowout win in Nevada, the lessons are no less applicable. This interview was originally intended to be an episode of my own podcast, Activist MMT which is why we spend the final 10 minutes or so discussing the topic of modern monetary theory. Okay, so let me tell you about Tony Blair. Um, you know that Tony Blair and George Bush collaborated together and decided to bomb um, Al Jazeera in Baghdad, right? Uh, I believe it. Yeah, and then they had a memo called the Al Jazeera memo that they passed where they had a plan on how to bomb Al Jazeera in Baghdad so they don't get um, 
bad coverage, right? Because all the U.S. media is syncophantic and Al Jazeera was the only media that they could not control, so they bombed it. So in 2005, this wasn't information was not released yet. And somebody asked Tony Blair, did you bomb Al Jazeera headquarters on purpose in Baghdad? And you know what he said? What? That is a conspiracy theory. But then about six months later, he said it was a ludicrous conspiracy theory. How dare you accuse me of purposely bombing Al Jazeera headquarters in Baghdad to make sure that I, we don't show all the dead bodies. Uh, you don't get information about all the dead bodies and the gore in Iraq, right? Mm-hmm. So a year later, we got a, there was some two intelligence officers who leaked that memo to the BBC, and it showed that Tony Blair and George Bush had an actual conspiracy to bomb Al Jazeera's headquarters. So when he used conspiracy theory, it was meant he's a sociopath. Like in a capitalist system, a non-sociopath can never get in power. So they will use um, your trust against you. So, So whenever somebody says conspiracy theory, Always remember if the person is in power and he's trying to use it against you or if he is um, just kind of like in your same power level who's just like kind of telling you to like calm down a bit. Like there's a big difference, right? Sure, absolutely. And so... It's licensed to to everybody else to discriminate against you. What? The, the the term like conspiracy theory in Russia and all that stuff it's it's and there's many others that are more applicable that are not coming to me at the moment they're licensed to the public to discriminate against people Bernie Bros you're absolutely and it'll always hit the left it will never hurt the right because we challenge power and they want us gone of course of course okay. yeah it is a it is a powerful public figure giving lower power less powerful people license to discriminate against those who stand up to power exactly just yeah and gives and then by doing that they will get a a little bit of privilege but it's like by by discriminating they will get a little bit of privilege or a little more freedom if they do that you know if they regularly and obey at all costs if they're like if like if they even like disobey once they'll lose all their privilege so they'll have to be a complete sycophant Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. That's the first I've heard about that specific story about uh, Al Jazeera. But uh, sounds sounds perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, why am I bringing this up? That's a question to me. Yeah. Why are you bringing this up? Mm-hmm. And you're bringing this up. Is this consciously before we're getting started? Or no, is no. This-, this is part of the recording I want everyone to hear. Oh, OK. Why are you bringing this up? Uh, well, uh, this well, I have a feeling it's related to what I was going to talk about with you later, and that is the chaos in Iowa, which is uh, they can only do this once. What they're doing in Iowa, they can only do this once, but they have to keep doing it over and over again. And therefore, all of the buildup with Russia over the past four years, that's going to be the excuse of doing it. So it's not just the the Russian narrative I thought up until today that the Russian narrative was 
preparation for crushing Bernie Sanders supporters and Bernie Sanders. What I didn't realize, and I think that's true, what I didn't realize, and I think it's now, as of today, it came to me that the Russian narrative is also the excuse for them to keep getting away with what they've done, exactly. what they're doing right now in Iowa. Because I was in Russia last year. No one in Russia wants to cares about the DNC. They don't want to rig your election. They want America to leave them alone and let them be. So, like, Putin is not your enemy. Um, well, like, remember when Muhammad Ali was like, no, uh, basically your enemy is, who's the, your, is the rich people in America and in the halls of power who are basically like destroying the world. <laughs> okay, so let me, let's just go through things that- I agree with that Putin is not an enemy. I agree that, that there are, these are all boogeymen to just get away with stuff yeah. to, to crush the left. Exactly. Um, Hillary Clinton has accused Putin of, like Putin, for example, actually has been on the right side of history more often than the Democrats. For example, he opposed the Iraq war. He really opposed invading Libya. He opposed the coup in Syria. He opposes the coup in Venezuela. Um, he opposes fracking. He's not your enemy. Hmm. That's a good point. I mean, I didn't know those things specifically, but... Okay. But they... But, but they want to pretend, like, they want to, like, um, basically, it's always going to come, like, they're going to ban um, Jeffrey more often to being a Russian troll than, like, yeah, right? They're much more likely to ban the left for being a Russian troll than any alleged Russian trolls, right? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, um, with the Iowa caucus, like, the first narrative that came... Hold on, before we, before we get to the Iowa caucus, uh, I, that's the first thing I want to talk about, but let's say hello and introduce yourself. Oh, okay? that, yeah, actually, that's a good idea. Hi, my name is Isha. <laughs> I have a podcast called Historically. Um, please check it out at historically.substack.com. I like working on history, research, history, economics, and MMT are my passions. And I want to say, you uh, meeting you more than a year ago at this point, a year and a half ago, um, I've, I'm really, I'm really glad to have met you. Me too. You have, you have gotten you the opportunity to, to do interviews for your podcast, to do some episodes for your podcast. And you've introduced me to some really, really cool people. And um, it's just, it's just been a real pleasure. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming. <laughs> on. Yes. Thank you. All right. Uh, so, so just just quickly, what I'd like to what I what I what I want to talk to you about is first, of course. I mean, I, I mean, this is an MMT podcast, but we can't not talk about what just happened <laughs> or yes. is happening. Not just happened is happening, um, and and what I what I think we're going to probably agree with what's going to be happening going forward now. Um, so, so yeah. So please just go go for it. Talk about Iowa. Okay. So where do we start? Um, Okay, so basically, um, right after the 2016 election, it was time to endorse, like, you know, it was time to elect a new DNC chair. Um, Bernie Sanders wanted Keith Ellison as the DNC chair. He is a good guy. He's not corrupt. He doesn't take donor money. He's a Muslim guy. Um, but then Obama, at the last minute, when he thought that Keith Ellison was going to win the DNC chair, he basically put Tom Perez in the chair race the last minute, and he called up all the rich lobbyists 
corrupts and corrupt people he knew. And not to mention, he called um, like Alan Dershowitz up and have like Islamophobic smears against Keith Ellison. And basically, I have to, inter- I have to interrupt. I, I'm not certain of this. I'm not certain of this, but I think I am very distantly. I'm a distant cousin of Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> Dear God, I'm so sorry. You, you shared the name of Epstein, and then sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, let's just assume it's not true because yeah, I, I did to- Family Tree a while ago, and he came across, and I didn't die because I was shocked. But go on. Yeah, yeah prune him from the tree. <laughs> He's like, you don't want him. Um. So, um, but so then, um, so then like Tom Perez, oh, oh, by the way, during the DNC vote, there was an app that was used to count the votes, but the app malfunctioned by coincidence and Tom Surprise. Perez won the race. And, and, Buddha, and, 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 uh, as a, and a, a related aside, Buttigieg, who I didn't even, wasn't even aware of at the time, he quit the race or left the race sort of as a gesture or, or a strategy to, to get Perez to win. He got one vote. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, okay. So now you have Tom Perez. Okay. So the way the DNC works, like, obviously, like if you want the expert on DNC procedures, get Nomiki Konst here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But basically, um, Tom Perez is like dictator king and he can do whatever he wants, basically. Well, sure. Like, sure. so what, the, okay, so what the DNC has been doing since 2016 is that they've been bullshit, sorry, BSing people that they're interested in unity reform so that the election does not appear rigged. But so then um, Bernie Sanders had like eight people, like four people to the Unity Reform Commission where they went all around the country and researched what's wrong like with the DNC. And they made all these recommendations. The party at large voted for it. But guess what Tom Perez did? Uh, let me guess. Yeah, he ignored it. And now he is stacking the DNC Rules Committee with a whole bunch of lobbyists. By coincidence, sure. of course. It's not a conspiracy, right? Because there is no agreement between one or more, no, two or more people to do something illegal and have a plan. Like that's just what a conspiracy is, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all like coincidental that all these like fossil fuel lobbyists are there, but no Greenpeace activist is there. Um, There's all these like pharmaceutical company lobbyists in the DNC, but... There is no Medicare for all advocate or a nurse. Like, yeah, big, big, big tent, big tent. And actually, you're reminding me, uh, Nomiki Konst had a wonderful interview with Tom Perez. Uh, I remember her being in the hallway during that whole, um, uh, you know, the, the chair election. And, and Tom Perez was talking about a big tent. And you, can you say the quote that you just said at the Harvard thing? Um, regarding, you know, a, a big tent, your analogy for a big tent? Oh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. It is where you have four wolves and one sheep deciding on what what you're going to have for dinner. Mm-hmm. Isha, would you like to jump in here? Sure. Um, let me just remind you of how the democratic establishment thinks. So most of you probably don't are too young to remember, but in 2009, President Obama said a few weeks ago, 
You join together with hospitals, labor unions, insurers, medical device manufacturers, <laughs> drug companies to hammer out a deal. Um, that's like inviting five wolves, one sheep to discuss the dinner menu, and obviously the sheep will get slaughtered. So um, in 2008, an entire month, October 2008, an entire month before the election where the Democratic people won 257 seats in the House and 59 seats in the Senate, John McDonough, I believe he works at Harvard, but I hope he's not here. Um, <laughs> uh, he was, was an advisor to Senator Ted Kennedy, and he had a group called Workhorse Group. This is what he wrote in his book. At the table were representatives of consumer, disease advocacy, business, insurance, physicians, hospital, labor, pharmaceuticals. Uh, some of the chiefs there were Chip Khan of the Federation of American Hospitals. He ran attack ads against whatever Bill Clinton's health care plan was. Um, the trade group for-profit hospitals, Karen Inyani, the president of American Health Insurance Plan, a leading consumer advocacy group, and others were represented by staffers and lobbyists. So then, like in October 2008, they got a little room together, and they talked about single-payer, Romney care, and some third option. And so John McDonough like, asked people who, in the room to raise their hands, like, who wants single-payer? No one raised their hands, and single-payer was killed an entire month before the election because they do not understand class conflicts. Um, actually, Jesus was the first person to do the class conflicts when he said, you can't have two, serve two masters or something like that, right? Yeah, so you can't negotiate between the big pharma. You need somebody willing to, to like, have the people and say, go away, big pharma. We're going to nationalize our health care. And that's the main difference between the labor movement and um, the democratic establishment. Deciding on what, what you're going to have for dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the sheep will be slaughtered for dinner. Like we, if you have four wolves at the dinner table and one sheep, you know what's going to be on the menu, and that will be the sheep. It's like bringing um, more, more like FBI, ag CIA agents uh, to the table in order to like bring democracy or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, Without a doubt, every single so candidate's talking about organizing, and so the future of the party seems to be, if, if, if everybody is telling the truth, yeah. based on organizing. Um, but you mentioned ad consultants. And I, I think, you know, when we don't know exactly what the budget looks like, but you can do some backtracking through FEC filings. Uh, there are a couple of consulting firms that have interests in keeping the budget bloated, going towards ad consultants and, you know, polling and all these things to keep the, the, the party centralized. There's this unity commission coming up. One of the chairs of the Unity Commission, which is all about changing the rules of the Democratic Party, is a partner at Precision Strategies, which is a major consulting firm with the DNC. Do you think that's okay? Well, listen, I, I have a lot of confidence in the Unity Commission, and there, that was a very good compromise and a very good proposal that both the Sanders and the Clinton campaigns came to. and. Uh, I'm, and I, um, I'm looking forward to the results. There's a very inclusive set of folks that are um, going to be serving on that. And uh, I look forward to, and I, I believe the incoming chair has the ability to appoint uh, three members to that commission. Sure. And if I have the privilege of getting elected, I will uh, make sure that we have three uh, really good folks. And, and you know what? I've, I've been involved in culture change before. Uh, I've if, if you're the chair then and the, the Unity Commission's about your party, aren't conflicts of interest a concern? If I mean, if you're going to change the culture on the ground, 
how do you change it without banning these conflicts of interest who want to keep the party bloated? Well, but I mean, I, I don't, you know, when you say that someone wants to keep the party bloated, I don't know. I, the, the people that I talk to want to build a Democratic Party that works for everyone. And so uh, I think there's a, a groundswell of understanding that we need to transform the culture of the party. And I think, you know, the folks who are uh, running the Unity Commission, there's going to be a lot of different uh, uh, perspectives that are put to bear. That's exactly what we want. Because Including our, consultants? Our, our, we, have, we have a big tent in the Democratic Party. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've, uh, I've, I have a pretty good track record uh, taking organizations that haven't been firing on all cylinders and moving forward. I have a pretty good track record on, in the procurement front on making sure that minority contractors uh, have a fair shake. And the Democratic National Committee um, has not had uh, has not done a good job in that area and uh, and so you know that's that's something where I I've done it before I can do it again I have a really good track record on making sure that the the staff and places where I've worked reflects the diversity of the community that's part of culture change and we've hired the best and the brightest where I've been and they've been really diverse and so we will do that uh, we will we will do that at the uh, at the DNC as well. So, you know, I'm I've I've never been afraid to make tough choices in all the jobs I've had. And if I quick have question, getting elected, I will do that. One last question. One last question. This is about unity, right? Who out of the Bernie Sanders world of the surrogates is supporting you? Uh, I'm sorry. Bernie Sanders. Do you have any notable Bernie Sanders supporters? We have uh, Matt. He was a staffer. He was a staffer. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, I think you're asking the wrong questions. You know. Well, I mean, but if we're talking about unity, I'm. I'm. Every single candidate has both sides. Oh. Every single candidate we've asked has well, sure. a surrogate from both sides. Are, well, the, again, there are people who FBI support Bernie Sanders CIA agents uh, to the table in order to like bring democracy or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, so it's bad. So, but then the thing is that the narrative, so, but the DNC also has what they do is this is also not a conspiracy theory because WikiLeaks where Julian Assange has never, ever lied to us. He's never, ever has, like, he has never released an incorrect, um, piece. Like there's, uh, WikiLeaks has an accuracy rate of 100%, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And what's Hillary Clinton's truth record? <laughs> Slightly less than 100%. Exactly. And she wants us to believe her over Assange? Of course. We have to. No. We're Democrats. Exactly. We should not because Assange has never lied. Hillary has never told the truth. And between those two, he said he will, like, for example, she claims she was hacked. But Assange clearly says leaks. So it means somebody she, like she was work, who was working for her hated her so much that they wanted to destroy her campaign before the general election. And mm -hmm. they sent it to Assange, right? Right. Okay. So that means she's a bad person. So now why I'm bringing all this up is that um, basically the way that Clinton had, like she had, okay, she had rigged the DNC in such a way that every single like worker, like every single person was like completely like, uh, like a, what do you, what do you call it? Like a worshiper to her. And if they weren't a worshiper, they'd like get kicked out of the organization. So it was 100% um, single pants, right? Mm -hmm. And basically she raised the money and then like, she, like the DNC would have to get approval from her to send out press releases. And then they're like in 2016, they're lying to us and saying that, 
oh, we're a neutral, whatever, and we're not rigging the system, or don't be crazy, whatever. But literally, like, everything about the system was rigged. Right. Um, in fact, like, there was some articles written by, let's like, Washington Post. Like, it looks, okay, if you click on the article, it looks like it's written by a Washington Post journalist. But literally, there were press releases from the Clinton campaign that would the Washington Post would copy and paste and um, send out. So it's like she has, like, literally every mainstream media was her propaganda channel. It, it is amazing to me how people pay for their propaganda, for uh, Amazon Echo and watching all these publications and for cable and all that. They pay to be yes. propagandized and to be surveilled. Oh yeah, Amazon. They like it's a corporation. Like they have, they don't have. Their only purpose is to maximize their profit and make the stockholders as rich as possible. They can like take your data. They can like creepily like surveil anything they want. Like if you have it in your house, right? Sure. Okay. I would say I would say that I think I think profit is the cherry on top. I don't think that's the core. The core is power. I'm sure you would agree with that. Probably right. I can't tell that yet, but is there a difference in... No, nah, money is a tool for power. Money is exactly. a tool for power. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, basically, if you have like money, um, you don't actually have to, like you can actually get rid of democracy because you can decide, like in America, for example, Bloomberg is basically carpet bombing <laughs> every single uh, television station in the country where you see basically an ad for his, him, like every two seconds, literally. I'm not joking. Mm -hmm. No, no, I, yeah, it's obvious. Like uh, oh, who, who was it? Someone said just recently, I think it was uh, one of the progressive journalists that, oh, I think it was a, a majority report. He said, my kids <laughs> saw an ad by Bloomberg on some kitty YouTube video. <laughs> that's dangerous. Okay, that's Okay. Well, no, I just mean I just mean to as a as a as a evidence bombing. that yeah carpet bombing yeah <laughs> literally carpet bombing every single advertisement like he's like so he has infinite resources so for example like Andrew Yang he doesn't have like he's like he may have like two million or one million dollars but he does not have like a hundred billion dollars like Michael Bloomberg so Andrew Yang is like really passionate about UBI. And he goes mm -hmm. from town to town and explains to people that it's not, what is it? It's not immigration that caused you guys to lose your job. It's automation. And he's like converted a lot of disaffected Trump supporters, the ones we want in the DNC, like in our big tent. Mm -hmm. um, he's brought them in. But for him, he had to like drive across the country like for two years just talking about UBI for him to get like 4%. When he did not, and then he's gotten a lot of small dollar donations, mm -hmm. and he has like about four percent. But Bloomberg uh -huh. began this race after he donated what was it, a million dollars to the DNC. Was it that much? I thought it was less than that. No, no, it was like four. Kyle Kalinsky explains it. He's like four payments over like a period of two weeks that added up to a million dollars. Wow. And then, okay, there's okay. So you know about Senator Mike Gravel, right? 
uh, the former candidate who really was awesome and uh, who was exposed to quite a lot of stuff, but he ultimately had to leave and he was basically screwed by the rules that but, Bloomberg is benefiting from now. Okay. But what is like, what was Michael, Mike Gravel's like passion? He wanted to end war. Like that's all he was running on. He's like, we no more war. Mm -hmm. And they would not let him on the debate stage to talk about why we should not bomb Iran. But after Bloomberg paid $1 million, they literally changed the rules so that he didn't need to get, like, I think he needed 200,000 individual donors, right? He doesn't right. have to get that. Like, in fact, he can't get pe can people to con volunteer. Like, uh, I, how do I explain this? He can't get non-slave labor to work for him. Well, he doesn't. He, he has openly said, I'm not going to collect donations because what does he need them for? Yes. But then, like, he uses prison labor where he forces, like, he cannot get consensual people to, like, work Oh, for right. Him. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. Just to clarify for listeners, there was an article exposing him for using prison labor to make campaign calls for him. Yeah, because no one wants to do it because he's such a horrible person. Like, literally, I will send an article out, but he's, like, literally, like, the worst person. Um, he's worse than Trump. He's more dangerous you, than Trump. You have a, a basically a Bloomberg years thread yeah. <laughs> on him. So yeah. uh, for, for people who don't know you, I just want to briefly say you you do these enormous, massive threads with everyone. Like I'm talking like 400. I think Obama years is like 400 now. And every single one has a receipt. And you yep. did one, you just recently did one on Bloomberg, which I think is growing out something like 50 now. Or longer. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's a horrible person. He's like very fascist. He's a control freak. He's like, loves to spy on everyone. I, I'm impressed by him with one thing, though, which is he has found a way to quash the worst sides of him. No, he has not. Creative. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I think you'll understand what I'm saying. He has found an interesting way to quash some unpleasant things. One, two examples I can think of is one is just playing completely dumb with the uh, the five, the the five people that were not guilty, but he said were guilty and sued the state. I can't think of the term. Trump put a whole page ad on them and then they They, they were in actual innocent, yeah. Yeah, and they were innocent. And Bloomberg just is like pretending that he doesn't remember. That's number one. But number two, the bigger one, which is uh, he is hiding all of the potential sexual misconduct with non-disclosure agreements. So he can't talk about it. That's a lie because he's in charge of the company and he can always, like the CEO of a company can always say, we're going to waive this non-disclosure agreement as McKinsey did for Pete Buttigieg, right? There you go. There you but, go. I didn't know that. Yeah. He so he, he's literally lying to you by saying that, uh, oh my God, the law, the law, I, I care about the law. Um, mm -hmm. He said, I have my own army in the NYPD, which is the seventh largest army. Actually, can you play that clip? I have my own army in the NYPD, which is I'm the seventh biggest army in the world. I have my own State Department, much to Foggy Bottom's annoyance. Uh, we have the United Nations in New York, and so we have an entree into the diplomatic world that Washington does not have. Um, and, I, you know, you, you just said it's a lie. So his not being able to discuss his uh, sexual proclivities, or not, maybe not him directly, but at least the environment. I don't know. The, yeah, I don't know the specific situation. No, I know. I know I, I have a, I have, I'm saying something different than you think right now. So his lying that he can't discuss it, uh, he needs to be called on that. And I'm, and I'm hoping that Bernie will say, if it ever comes up, or if someone will say, 
uh, no, there's no reason why you can't discuss it. You're the CEO of a company and you you have the right to override that if you want. So you're choosing not to talk about it. I, w- I hope that he's called out on that and I don't see anyone doing that. Or only because he's too nice and possibly just doesn't that know, Your company but. was a hostile workplace for women. When you were confronted about it, you admitted making sexually suggestive remarks saying, quote, that's the way I grew up. In a lawsuit in the 1990s, according to the Washington Post, one former female employee alleged that you said, quote, I would do you in a second. Should Democrats expect better from their nominee? Let me, let me say a couple things, and have, if I can have my full minute and a, qu- a quarter, thank you. Um, I have no tolerance for the kind of behavior that the Me Too movement, movement has exposed. And anybody that does anything wrong in our company, we investigate it. And if it's appropriate, they're gone that day. But let me tell you what I do in my company and my foundation and in city government when I was there. In my foundation, the person that runs it's a woman. 70% of the people there are women. In my company, lots and lots of women have big responsibilities. They get paid exactly the same as men. And in my um, uh, in City Hall, the person that's the top person, my deputy mayor, was a woman, and 40% of our commissioners were women. I am very proud of the fact that about two weeks ago, we were awarded, uh, we were voted the uh, most the the best place to work, second best place in America. (laughs) If that doesn't say something about our employees and how happy they are, I don't know what does. Senator Warren, you've been critical of Mayor Bloomberg on this issue. Yes, I have. And I hope you heard what his defense was. I've been nice to some women. (laughs) That just doesn't cut it. The mayor has to stand on his record. And what we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. How, how many Let is that? Let me finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's a be, agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. They signed those agreements, so, and we'll live with it. So wait, when you say it is up to, I just want to be clear. Some is how many? And, and, when you, and when you say they signed them and they wanted them, if they wish now to speak out and tell their side of the story about what it is they allege, that's now okay with you? You're releasing them on television tonight? Sen- Senator, no. Is that right? Senator, tonight? Senator, the company and somebody else, in this case, a man or a woman, or could be more than that, they decided when they made an agreement that they wanted to keep it quiet for everybody's no. interest. They signed the agreements, and that's what we're going to live I, with. I'm sorry. No, the question is, are I the women bound by being muzzled by you? And you could release them from that immediately, because understand, this is not just a question of the mayor's character. This is also a question about electability. We are not going to beat Donald Trump 
with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories of women saying they have been harassed okay. and discriminated against. That's I not hope that he's called out on that, and I don't see anyone doing that. No. Bernie, because he's too nice and possibly no. just doesn't know, but... Well, with Bernie, he doesn't have to do much because basically he says, you are a billionaire, and then you... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, that's how he was need to repeat that in the debate over and over. Yeah, that's it. perfect. How perfect. <laughs> well, can you, how's your Bernie voice? Me? Uh, gosh, I've never tried. I could, I could try. Try it. Yeah. Give me, give me something to say. Uh, you are a billionaire. You, 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 you are a billionaire. Uh, I, I have no idea what to say. You are a billionaire. You paid the DNC money and then they changed the debate rules to let you in a billionaire. You're billionaire and you made it you pay the d you pay the dnc a million dollars and now you want to change the rules no you already changed the rules yeah yeah whatever he just repeats he can just repeat that in like every single debate and (laughs) he like then that they are making his case for him about why the system is rigged oh yeah 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 um so i i mean this i i don't i want you to finish whatever thought you were having if you were not oh, okay. So, so, no, no, okay. Anyways, um, so, but then, no, wait a minute. Um, okay. So last year, um, in sorry, I'm taking so long, but this is, I think, important. People. No, please. no, no. Feel free. You should okay. just just go. Well, you need to understand how power works for MMTers, right? Of course. So last year in April, a whole bunch of like DNC operatives, which include Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, met at this place in New York to hatch a plan to stop Bernie from getting the nomination. Mm. It was reported in the New York Times. There's nothing conspiracy theory about this in that if you, well, you shouldn't believe New York Times, but um, like as far as this is like they met at a restaurant, mm-hmm. like it's pretty much verified, right? Yeah, no, I remember it, but it never really stuck out to me because I was like, yeah, no, of course they're doing that. But now given what's happening now, I'm, now I'm more interested in hearing okay. the details of it. Okay, so Hillary had like 10 people in her staff. So they opened, like, okay, Obama's like campaign manager, David Plouffe, opened this like, what do you call it? Um, shady, like a, I don't know, a pack maybe? Like an organization that was exclusively funded by billionaires and hedge fund managers in the tune of like $17 million. And they called it Acronym, right? Mm-hmm. And then Acronym hired, okay, so Pete Buttigieg's campaign manager's wife <laughs> to build the DNC election software app. And so far, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and the DNC is like paying them money. And the app is called Shadow. Actually, before you go on, there, there's, some, there's a detail that I want you to address, which is, um, there, are there any legitimate reasons for them to contribute money to this organization? For example, I don't mean contribute. Uh, some people are saying, I said contribute, and then I got pushback of saying, well, they're, they're purchasing services for their campaign. This is not a big deal. So can you address that? Well, what services have they purchased? Because... I mean, the company has not even been able to do like a four, like an addition loop, right? Like they were like Tom Perez, like gave them the contract like about maybe a few weeks ago. 
Okay, so normally, I've spoken to many software engineers about it. Normally, it's like um, in stage, like let's say you're going out on a theater, right? You, like you're not going to like never rehearse your lines and then go act, right? Mm-hmm. So software actually kind of goes through kind of like a rehearsal stage where they call it beta testing, where they extensively test it on like all these different scenarios to make sure it like works in everything. I'm a former computer programmer and, and automated testing was part of what I did. Exactly. So it, like how many months of testing do they do before they roll out a product? Uh, I mean, depending on who the client is and depending on the importance of it, it could be like six months. It could be, it could be, you know, anything. But, um, I mean, democracy is not that big of a deal. So that we only need a few days there. Exactly. And so basically they didn't like, they hired the most, Oh, by the way, if you're going to hire somebody to run a competent anything, the last people you want to hire is people who worked for Hillary Clinton because they lost to Trump. And that by definition makes them incompetent, right? Uh-huh. Like it is like, you cannot lose an election to Trump and still think that you are competent at all. <laughs> it's just not like if you lose an election to Trump, by definition, you are incompetent. So mm-hmm. therefore in a fair system, you will not be able to get hired for any job on earth because you lost an election to Trump. But um, somehow these like idiots or who, these like completely incompetent boobs who could not even beat Donald Trump, like an idiot game show host, um, were 10 of them who were all working for Hillary Clinton, who by definition are the most incompetent people on earth, um, got hired for this shadow app to build the app that counts the caucus votes, right? Right. But it's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah, but, 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 but they're not incompetent. If or they're bold, No, no, no. I, I mean, you're right, but, but I, that's a good faith interpretation. As Absolutely. if they wanted the votes counted properly. They don't. Then, right. So they're not incompetent necessarily, or, or even if they are, that's a good thing, you know, given that. Exactly. And on top of it, when they want to be competent, like let's say when they want a drone. Uh, they're competent for the first 71% of the vote. And they're also competent in order to like murder people in Yemen, right? They can always kind of competently murder people in Yemen. Mm-hmm. But somehow, why can't, if you can, like drones are harder to like get right than apps that literally count, which is the first thing you learn in computer science, right? Mm-hmm. So how come they're not competent in non-murderous parts of democracy? How are you going to pay for it for things that help the people, the many? And that, you know, that's not, that's a non-issue for, for, for things that help the rich. And and it's same with competency, complete competency with things that help the wealthy and then, and not suddenly not competent accidents for, for everyone else. Yes. But then but, but remember, the, the DNC also controls, there's no such thing as American independent media. Like Rania Kalik did a great um, YouTube video where she's like, we have like four companies that own every, like even all the little newspapers that you think is like a local newspaper. It's not. Uh-huh. It's owned uh-huh. by literally four companies. All the local TV stations, they're not independent. They're all owned probably by Sinclair Broadcasting, right? Sure, sure. 
So we have four companies. All of Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible. One-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control exactly what people think. And this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 So we have four companies. All of the CEOs of these companies are big donors to the DNC. They are like hanging out with Tom Perez. And um, and guess what? Comcast really does not like Bernie. You know why? Because they will, he will put quite a ding into their profits and their power. By not passing the TPP, for example. Oh, that's there's plenty of examples. Exactly. So it's they, going to happen at such a cellular level that they won't be able to do anything about it. In addition, the TPP is a big move, but there's going to be such grassroots, you know, things that it, it will just like attack them at like like what do you call it? Like, uh, you know, robots so small that you can't even see them. Nanobots. Yeah, I mean that that's it's going to attack them at the cellular level. They're going to, you know, it's but terrifying. That's, that's why it's terrifying society. to them. But it's but it's good for society because, for example, things like wireless is wireless. I don't know internet. For example, did these companies do anything useful in developing it? No. They're just predatory like bloodsuckers that just profit off of things that the government developed and sold to them because we have a corrupt government, right? Sure, of course. So these people who hate Bernie, who also donate, like, why would you donate money to the DN, to like some sort of like government, shadow government, whatever, opposition organization, if you're, if you're a literal investor and you're, they're obviously helping you make more money, right? Or power or something. Mm-hmm. Like people do not and don't like like Comcast is not going CEO of Comcast is not donating like ten million dollars to the DNC if they don't do their bidding. So now, oh, so we have four media companies, and Tom Perez and like there's like so incestuous that like ha, there's like um, basically the DNC for, if it's an MSNBC or CNN the DNC will send them like we we know this because of WikiLeaks. We'll send them like a memo on what to cover and how to cover it. And the news people are just stenographers. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. So now um, I forget. 
Oh, and then so these news station people are like interviewing all these news uh, news operatives and saying like, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. I'm like, yeah, because it's an open conspiracy. Right. And so now, oh, oh, let's. Okay, so this act. Actually, like, keep, keep keep that thought in mind. I want to bring up uh, something related uh, that I, that I haven't heard many people talk about, um, which is uh, the shadow, the company shadow, uh-huh. came to me on i may have the days slightly off but i'm pretty close this the company shadow came to be on january 19th of 2019 and pete Buttigieg launched his campaign on january 22nd of 2019 and the ceo of shadow is also working for pete Buttigieg's campaign and her husband too right coincidence right like obviously like they didn't have a plan to hire the same whatever right and then shadow is okay with oh I forgot. What about the, oh, they did not, they had a free testing software thingy, right? That only had, could test like 200 accounts. Mm, yeah. I saw your post about that. Yeah. So, so, so to put that, to sort of, to, to connect that. So ILO has 1600 sites. So maybe we'll say 18, we'll say 2000. They have 2000 caucus sites, including satellites and whatever. However, many people in each of these sites will have this app on their phone and so we're no, talking no, no. like like one uh, i'd say the pre- the 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 person in charge of running the camp, like election the precinct captain mm-hmm. that person will have it on their phone but everyone else will have like allegedly a paper ballot okay so so we're talking around 2000 people with with the app on their phone no 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 uh, yeah 2000 so 2000 yeah. caucus sites uh, yeah. you know slightly i know that's an overestimation but that's that's reasonably close yeah uh, so 2000 people have the app on their phone and you know, pretty critical situation if you care about democracy. But they and never they tested, tested the app. They te- well, they supposedly tested it, but even if they did thoroughly test it, as you pointed out, uh, they they only had the, the free version or something that the maximum amount that could be tested at once is two hundred. Yes. So they never tested it for like an actual caucus site to work. Like they should have tested it with two thousand at least, right? Mm-hmm. So they're actually like, so then it, um, oh, by the way, Bernie was smart and he had, he built his own app to like record data from the caucus sites because he knew they would screw him over, right? Sure. And so, so then like uh, the caucus day happens and guess what? Bernie's leading in the popular vote by like, um, I don't know, like a few thousand votes, but Pete Buttigieg has more delegates. And um, this is a hilarious video, like MSNBC's like Steve Kornacki tries to explain how. (laughs) This was too funny to clout, right? No, because it's like too funny not to watch it. Um, Clout, clout, clout. There are three different categories. They were all just released at once. What you're seeing on your screen right now, this is the state delegate equivalent category. This is, uh, so the numbers you see underneath, 359 for Buttigieg, 334 for Sanders, 243 for Elizabeth Warren. These are state delegate equivalents. Now remember, there are about 2,100 of these statewide. So Buttigieg with 359, that's accounting for 27%. You can start to do the math of what that accounts for. These are, this is a complicated formula where each precinct in the state is worth a certain number of state delegate equivalents. They work their way up. Notably, let me make sure I saw this right. This is the final product. This is the initial preference. 
Yes, we have a discrepancy right now. Huh. The initial preference when people showed up, this is, remember, these are not final results right now. He said 62% of precincts. We got to see what that exactly accounts for in terms of votes here. But right now, the numbers that the Iowa Democratic Party just released, the initial preference in these precincts, you can see, was Sanders 24, Buttigieg 21, Warren 19, Biden 15. You can see Klobuchar 13. And you can see what happens. Remember, in every precinct, 15% the magic number. So let's show you what happened then. Again, for all these precincts, this is the second, this is the reallocation. So watch, remember those numbers? Now watch this. And there you go. Wow, so Sanders on the second allocation continues to lead much tighter. So how does Sanders lead in the state delegate equivalent? Uh, excuse me, how does Buttigieg lead in the state delegate equivalent if he's not leading on the second allocation? It gets into, and I gotta take a look here very closely, but my theory, my suspicion here, strong suspicion would be what we've been talking about. These counties are weighted differently here. The rural counties have a little bit more clout when it comes to the state delegate equivalents. And you can see here Buttigieg in dark blue. These are rural counties. These are rural counties. Sanders purple, college county, college county, college county. Watch 52% for Sanders here. These counties lose influence, lose clout in the state delegates. And so therefore, I think what you're seeing is the clout of the Buttigieg counties in the state delegate equivalent, putting him on top. Wow, <laughs> so basically they, they deliberately underweighted the counties that they knew would go for Bernie. Yeah, but it was so funny that like he did not realize he was like giving up the game like until it was like too late. <laughs> oh, is that is that the significance? Oh, he yeah. Clout. He said Buttigieg county clout <laughs> because of the waiting. Huh. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even consider that angle. I was just listening to his facts. But no, you're right. He's he's revealing that they chose, they knew where Bernie would do well, and they chose those counties to weigh less. Yeah, so they were get for, against Bernie, so that Buttigieg gets more delegates, even though Bernie won the popular vote. Wow. Imagine okay. that. That's the first time I, I'm, well, uh, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I think it's sort of the first time I've heard that, but but yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. We just sense. saw it on video. Yeah. So um, no, nope, finish your thought. I have a final thing that I want to do with this, but that's going to take quite a, a significant answer from you. Okay. So now, um, basically they still are trying, like on social media, everyone, like Howard Dean was like, how dare you say that you don't care about us? Like, we don't care about you. And I'm like, you don't because you're a bloody pharmaceutical lobbyist whose entire job is to make sure that kids don't get medicine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. That's your job. Mm-hmm. That, by definition, means you do not care about us. If you cared about us, you would not have been taking that job. Uh -huh. But they're like, I don't know how, they're doing like a psychological, like, uh, what do you call it? MK Ultra op against the American people, basically, the media. Uh, they're doing a what op? Like a psy-op, psychological op. Like, basically, to confuse you, right? I mean, it's been this way since we've been born. Yeah. But basically, it's entirely to confuse you completely and not, I don't know, make you think. Basically, like... It's well, it's to, make you, it's, to make you, it's to make you turn on those who stand up. Exactly. It encourages you to turn on those who stand up to power and, like, like lick the boots of, in power. That's it. And it gives you, and it gives you, and incentivizes you for doing so by allowing you to have a little extra privilege. A little bit. Just not enough, though. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, it's boiling the frog. It's not, it's not good. But it, but for now, I, I just can't have four more years of Trump because you know, just just the worry of and 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 bringing in MMT of the fear of Bernie's policies will cause their taxes to go sky high and their and the idea that their personal money, when they're treading water as it is, that will be funding all Bernie's programs is false belief. Is I think terif- a part of why they're terrified. He actually, um, okay, it's not funding their no. That yeah, well, I don't know if that that's exactly why. Like, yeah, they're probably not like cognizant of everything that like, all the economics because they're probably like been like trained at like Harvard where they just learn privatization is good, 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 good. <laughs> right. What's good? Privatization. Privatization. Well, well, I'm talking about I'm talking about general centrist. People, not dem- mm-hmm. not politicians. I'm just talking about just like people I know that are centrist, that have some privilege, but they're treading water. They're, you know, just this close to, you know, I, I actually, I think neoliberalism is the concept of giving people some privilege, but it's a Damocles sword always hanging over them, knowing that it's a precarious privilege. Exactly. And that's, that's why they're terrified of any change because they know how close they are to going under. But I'm talking about just the general public when I was, when I was talking, what I oh, was okay. just, He's my right. statement. Oh, okay. But, okay. So if you have nothing, like, let's say like Jeffrey and I have absolutely nothing. Um, we're not terrified of change because. We're desperate for it. Yeah. We can't. They're not desperate for Bernie's policies. Cause they have some health insurance. They have a car. They have probably a house. Mm-hmm. They probably even have a second home. Um, so they status quo is kind of working for them. It won't work for them in thirty years because neoliberalism it won't work for the billionaires in thirty years or whatever. Well, it won't work for inhumanity, like life on Earth, in thirty years. Well, that's yeah. But it was, or at working. least it will be obvious that that's going to be inevitable. Yeah, but um, so, but like our own. Okay, I know it, this sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not. It is really this dire. If we do not elect burn, no, no, sorry, sorry. If Bernie is not the president in 2020, we can. There is no chance that we can save, like, stop the climate disaster before we wipe ourselves out. So you can I, either decide humanity or libs. I have been feeling that for quite a while. Okay. I've been feeling that for quite a while, and uh, as a parent of two little boys, ten and thirteen. I am. I struggle to allow them to be kids, but to, but to make them very clear that the second half of their life will be nothing like they think it will be based on our current situation. Okay, but we can change it. Of course, which is. But but I'm also. But but regardless, even if Bernie gets in, I think it could serious obviously be a massive improvement like the kind of incrementalism that we can actually survive on. You know, he could be better, but he's clearly very good. Um, But is it really going to be a permanent solution or is it going to be something that will buy us maybe 200 more years, you know, because they're going to, because eventually it's going to be, you know, I mean, like for example, FD and and I want to get back. No, 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 no. Let me just, let me just finish. Let me just finish my theory, which is FDR, the new deal was a massive change in the right direction. And I think Bernie would be bigger because I don't think FDR had the pol- political revolution as Bernie does. But it but it took a good like 1930 to around 1970. So that's 40 years. So he, he bought us 40 years of prosperity 
Um, and, you know, unknowingly, we were hurting the climate during that time. But setting that aside, we had 40 years of real prosperity, of real, I'll say, happiness. And, you know, so it's not going to be, you know, even if Bernie gets in, we're going to make massive changes. And maybe it will take a long time to undo those changes, just like it's taking a long time to undo Social Security and the NHS. No, 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 no. wait, wait, wait. Okay, I, I reject this framework. Okay. Um, because, um, okay, so... A socialist system, like it's been implemented in Bolivia, Venezuela, in Venezuela, for example, it has worked very well. Okay, the GDP of Venezuela before Hugo Chavez came was at 50 million. He made it go increase by tenfold. Um, in China, socialism um, wiped out illiteracy in 10 years and doubled the life expectancy of everyone in China in five years. I'm not That's, doubting that. I'm not doubting that. That's not what I'm, I don't think, I, I, I want to be, I want to make sure that you're understanding what I'm saying. That's that's not my, I'm not questioning that. What I'm saying is that even if he gets in, the powers that be will eventually get back, you know, it no, will swing it, back to it, horrible people being in power. No, 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 it will just not. Like neo, just like neoliberalism took no, over no, no, in no, the no, 1970s. No, 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 it did not take over in the 1970s. Like, it, it, sorry, we need to actually, it, things don't happen by accident. Okay, so what liberals often miss... Okay, so there is a... Con, let's say, uh, for me, at least, there is a concept of justice. And then there is following rules in this particular system. Um, neoliberals confuse the both. So they think if you follow all the rules made up by these couple of genocidal maniacs who wanted independence in order to commit more genocide than the British king and also import more slaves. Like it's on the Declaration of Independence. That's exactly, they write that if you, like there's the first four lines. If you go further, they're making their intentions clear. The king won't let us commit more genocide and he won't let us import more slaves. That's right. why they we got want our free, Right, we want our freedom to enslave black people. And we want to commit more genocide. Um, do you believe that, a system designed by those people is going to spit out justice, even if you follow all the rules perfectly. No, of course not. It's built to be unjust, or at least built to you know inequality. So what do you? You're, so you're saying that Bernie Sanders, something with Bernie Sanders, could really yeah, change, exactly. not change the fabric of society, like the constitution, is yeah, what yeah. you seem to be saying. Exactly, you can, because Hugo Chavez, like uh, Hugo Chavez, did it. Evo Morales did it. Basically, what they did is they had a citizens' assembly, and they went like from like literally like everyone in the like in the villages, like every single village had like a thing where they all wrote their draft of the constitution, and they elected. It was like very very democratic instead of written by like eight genocidal maniacs that's meant to disadvantage like the, the Bill of Rights, for example. Like these are not inalienable rights; these are rights that eight genocide like a few genocidal maniacs decided was the best way to protect their private property, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that, and also give the people the feeling of freedom. Exactly. The aesthetics of freedom without actually giving them too much freedom. Like, right, like, it, like, like uh, uh, outlawing racism, but not outlawing anything that causes racism. Exactly. Um, and if you can check, like, mm, like Madison actually in the Federalist Paper explains the problem with too much democracy is that whenever you have like too much democracy, everyone's gonna vote and say, "Jackass, rich guy, stop stealing from us." Uh, democracy, gonna... democracy is rule. True democracy is rule by the poor. 
is, yeah, true democracy is a dictatorship of the proletariat, as Karl Marx says. So that means that, let's say, um, in Col- for example, in Pennsylvania, the citizens of, I forgot this town, wanted to ban fracking. So they had an election where they got together and decided to ban fracking. Guess what the fracking company did? They went to the state government, and the state government wrote a law that says cities can't decide on whether they want to frack or not, and they got to frack. That is not a dictatorship of the proletariat. So whenever there's a conflict between the will of capital and the will of the people, in a true democracy, the will of the people is a dictatorship, as in done. Private company, go away. We don't want you. You deal with it. We're going to, you follow the rules. Done. That's it. Right? Mm -hmm. But we don't have that. (laughs) Okay. So what you're saying, you're saying that if Bernie gets in, it's going to be even better than I think. And I yes. think it's going to be very good. I think it will buy us. No, no, just, no, no. Well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, I, I have a question for you. I, my theory before hearing you talk is I would have said that Bernie can get in. I think he will do amazing stuff. Cannot, and create... Wait, 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 wait. Do not expect the procedures laid out by Janice. The following procedures will not get you justice. Right. Bernie explained how to get him into office. He he does not hide it. It's very clear. When millions of people come of together, course, of course, of course, we're going to get into that in a minute. We're going to get into that in a minute. But let's say he does get in. He does do great stuff, and we you know we we do good stuff. Okay, let's actually. So those in power, they're called reactionaries. Um, Corey Robin has written a great book on the reactionary mind. So they're going to get, like, when you have a lot of power and, look, okay, you know how Ben Shapiro is like, white guys are discriminated against because we can't use the N-word anymore, right? Uh, right. If that's, is that a real discrimination? No. They are objecting to equality. It's a relativist discrimination given our history. Exactly. So these rich people will get, like, basically, um, so, like, okay, so no one, like, even Lenin or Stalin, all of them started out as a social democrat, kind of like Bernie. But then, like, the reactionaries get, like, worse and worse and worse until, like, basically um, you have to kind of get rid of them. I'm sorry. It, it, just, it, it just won't work otherwise. They're willing to do the Holocaust, like, um, over sharing, collectivizing. the Like, instead of, like, giving peasants some food, they're literally willing to do the Holocaust over making for your slaves have more food. Yeah. So it is last time they had to actually fight World War II to get rid of these reactionaries. And life was good until the Soviet Union lasted. And when the Soviet Union collapsed, we all got this like right-wing shithead. Um, so I, I'm saying like you don't have to have these shitty people. Like you can change the system such that you can have the propaganda change. So why are like you could have like um, in school, you could like read about Karl Marx. You can read about Lenin. You can read about the Bolshevik Revolution. You can read about Che Guevara. Like, and you can have like a more compassion. Oh, by the way, when I went to Russia, I asked a, old, a whole bunch of older people, do you prefer communism or capitalism? How many of them guess? Did you see that video? No, I didn't. Okay. So basically I asked like a whole bunch of older people who had memories of the Soviet Union. Do you prefer communism or capitalism? How many, like, I asked 10 people, like, how many people do you think said what? Communism. How many people said capitalism? Probably one to none. Zero. Yeah. Oh, wait, who said this? Uh, I think it was 
I think it was Camille Walsh. I interviewed Camille Walsh, the author of Racial Taxation. Uh, she said that uh, the Soviet Union used the inequality of America. No, they to... did not use. They had a better society. Because that, the no, way... no, I'm saying, no they, they, they said, look at the United States and how horrible capitalism is. Yes, that's not propaganda. That's just the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But what I want to tell you is like the way the Soviet Union was formed is basically um, Lenin was like a shit poster. I'm not kidding. Um, he'd like, like, he was like the Twitter troll before Twitter. And he'd like take all the bad, like centrist propaganda. And he'd just like debunk, 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 debunk. Like he, he, he he's like written 5,000 pieces. And then like he'd mail it out to the peasants so that they can learn why the rich are lying to them. Right? Mm -hmm. And like after like a few, and then like, then all these like peasants started to get together in these little towns and millions of people got together and then they formed a political revolution, right? As Bernie said, mm -hmm. like at first um, they kind of won an election, but then the czars started to cheat them. And then the peasants kind of had to get rid of the czars. Like you can't have, I'm sorry. Um, and um, because it's like, and then they had like, they basically, the Soviet Union um, went from like the, the life expectancy when the czar was around was 30, age 33. Like they actually cured smallpox for the entire world. Without the Soviet Union, some half of us would be dying from smallpox. Like this, so, so, like they cured smallpox. They went to the space. They built like a really cool civilization that was constantly, constantly, constantly under attack by U.S. Like God knows how many coups the U.S. would have done, tried to do. Like I can't even keep track. Like, um, so, okay. Um, what I'm saying is that you do not have to have a Ronald Reagan. You just need an act. A pop what happened is that American population kind of got more and more detached. In the 1920s, it was very militant. We had a communist party. We had a socialist party. We had a everything. We had militant communisms like, um, like um, I don't know, like workers would like, uh, okay, so in, in like the 1890s, Tennessee had these private prisons like for black people. These like white workers like went in with their guns and basically freed, uh, freed all the black people and put them in the train, uh, in, in a train back home and basically shut and bombed the prison in 1891. But you need like, we, we need to be here together, all of us and we have to talk a lot and think a lot and explain problems. And, but we have to do it together. We can't ever deactivate. And that's what happened in America that allowed people like Ronald Reagan to come into power. So did, neo did neoliberalism cause that or did neoliberalism take advantage of that? Probably the latter. Okay. Okay. All right. So I have, I have two questions for you. And I'm afraid I'm still going to be you know, like... I. I I have an important question, and if I get some details wrong, I'd like to sort of set them aside. Mm -hmm. um, and so let's say that Bernie gets in, the revolution, political, peaceful revolution happens. No, no, it's not going to be peaceful. Well, they yeah, will, yeah. Okay, no, but again, they will that, not be peaceful. They will. Uh, they okay, I understand, but hold on. I, I'm really trying to get to a question here. Regardless of how he gets in, he gets in, he does some good, he does serious good stuff. But my he, question no, no, is, he does not do serious good stuff. It only happens if. If Millions we do, we seriously do good stuff. We seriously do good yeah. stuff. He will make it easy for us to do good stuff, but he can't do it. Millions of people have to come together to form a political revolution. Understood. Understood. You can't really think like a capitalist where you have like one dictator king doing everything. If you want a political revolution, you have to keep active, right? Understood. 
My question, however, is you're suggesting that we can really change the fabric of the country, meaning much more long term by getting more involved and so on. But regardless of what happens and how good it happens and how involved people get, it, something no society has lasted forever and even even good societies have been conquered we- by other has been conquered by other horrible you know whatever like it, so my so my question boils down to if bernie and all of the consequences that happen the revolution that happens causes good stuff how long is that going to buy us in the climate i don't collapse? Know. you know is that is that what we're talking that could be like we could truly last forever or we're talking is two centuries like we could last literally like until we like invent a warp drive to go like into stars. And so space. Star Trek. So Star Trek. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what I didn't okay. understand. That's what I didn't understand. But, right, so I ha- go ahead. Go ahead. But again, it's not going to happen with him alone. He's not going to do it. It's he says he's not going to do it. What does he say? Millions of people. Not me. Us. Get together to form a political revolution. Nothing that- happens from the top on down. It always happens from the bottom on up. Yeah, he's saying this and all of it, but he's going to make it super easy. Like he's going to like not worry about the rules. Um, He's going to just be like, okay, oh, we're going to get new rules. We're going to have a new constitution. Like he won't be like Obama where he'd be like stopping us from changing stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And actually a a brief aside question is, am I correct that FDR was basically that that era's bernie but he did no. not well he but he did or at least uh, compare fdr to bernie and but especially the angle of bernie has explicitly the political revolution bringing the people with him how much did fdr do that because he made those massive changes well fdr actually went to the capitalists and said Okay, so, well, during the 1930s, like a little before the 1930s, there was another revolution that really scared the shit out of Wall Street. Do you know which revolution that is? Uh, 1917. Oh, no, I was about, no, I'm not sure. The Bolshevik Revolution, the Russian Revolution. Oh, okay. The USSR, like, still, like, scares the shit out of capitalists, like, even today. That really frightened them, and they're like, oh, we can't have slaves anymore because the, you, they're going to look at the USSR and our slaves are going to be like, no more slavery. We want what they have in the USSR, right? Mm. So FDR was actually kind of like a compromise candidate who was going to uphold some capitalism, but not too much capitalism. So he prevented and- the pitchforks more than helping the people. Yeah. Okay. All right. That answers the question. All right. So I have one more big question regarding... Bernie in Iowa and just what's going on right now. Ask whatever you want to ask. Okay. So my big question is, do you have a perspective on what this primary is going to be? Okay. That if it's already this... No, it's a longer question. What's this primary going to be like, given the chaos that it is now? With, you know, this show is done by Rec Tech. You can find Rec Tech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. Thank you for listening to the show. See you next time on Historically. Historically.